this is Alternate Take. I am your host, Danny Rodriguez. Welcome back to the show. On this episode, man, we broke into music, man, and I've been getting into it a lot lately with a lot of cool guests, man. And uh, we'll have those for you guys here pretty soon, but uh, this one was really fun, man. This was actually our first hotel room podcast interview for Alternate Take. It was really cool, man. Um, you got to be about the grind, motherfucker. You can't be messing around, dude. When someone says, I'm down for an interview, you say, I'm fucking in, baby. Let's do it. And uh, we got a really cool guest for this one, man. It was Mr. Raynan Bozio, man. Um, Raynan is a legendary drummer. He's a Twitch streamer, and he's just a bad motherfucker, man. And um, the last name rings a bell. It's because he's the son of legendary drummer Terry Bozio from Frank Zappa and the Missing Persons. So um, we talked a lot about that. We talked a lot about um, what he does now, uh, you know, the bands that he's in, all kinds of work that he's done, and just our love for music, man. It was a tremendous episode, but... Um, Thanks for Raynan for coming on the show, man. I first became a fan of him uh, years back when he was on the Church of What's Happening Now with Joey Diaz, and we talked about that a little bit, uh, especially the infamous Lee Syatt in Outer Space video, which is just fucking legendary in its own. So um, thanks again for coming in, dude. I had such a blast, man. I'm glad we did it, and I know you guys are going to enjoy it, man. And for all of you guys who are um, Raynan Bozio fans, which if you're not before this, you will be after this. Um, him and his band Scarlet Rose are coming out with a new single tomorrow called Rise from the Ashes. Uh, I put their links and everything in the podcast description, so go check that out. But in the meantime, I bring to you guys the great Rain and Bozio. What's up, everybody? This is Alternate Take Man, and we are back, dude. And we brought you guys a special guest. Let me lower this a little bit. We brought you guys Mr. Rain and Bozio, man, the legendary drummer. What's going on, brother? Hey, what's up, man? Okay, right off the bat, this is the thing I have to do often on podcasts. Hit it's me. Rain and Bozio. Bozio. Yeah. Bo- is it really? And I don't know why or where that Bozio comes from, but for some reason, it's something that has haunted our family for no ever way. since I was born. Yeah. So you guys are what? Uh, Italian then? Italian. Yeah. My dad's. I'm. I'm a European mutt. I'm like all sorts of freaking there it different. Is. You know. Same here, dude. I'm yeah. afraid to do that fucking ancestral fucking DNA shit because I'm like, I don't know. I don't even want to know what the fuck I am at this point. Oh, Who see, cares? I really want to know what I am. However, I'm afraid of the government having my DNA. Yeah, on dude. T- you know, there's that conspiracy about it where it's like, okay, I kind of believe it. I kind of don't give like I'm 50 50 on that one. I believe like, it, dude. I wouldn't have believed it 15 years ago, 20 years ago. But now every conspiracy theory is fucking real now. So yeah, it's, it's I'm with you on that shit. dude. It's crazy, right? It's wild how long it takes for some of these things to just pop fucking boom, a. now now the whole secret's exposed we know dude. don't don't do your 23 and me it was joe rogan dude he, he fucking put it. his he put everyone on the fucking conspiracy map he had bravo on it. when he started talking about bigfoot that was the end of it man that was it we're like Straight fuck, up. now we're all in <laughs> i was dude i was like fuck he might be real now yeah but um so where's your family come from then specifically so uh, my dad is from San Francisco and my mom is from outside of L.A., like Palmdale area. OK, crazy. Yeah. yeah. So my dad was from like Marin County, you know, the San the Rafael area. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. yeah, he was. I mean, he was alive when there was segregation going on. You know what I mean? Like A lot of people don't realize how old he is. He just turned 72 um, in December. So crazy, yeah, like, man. He remembers growing up and going to school and being like, Oh, now we're like, things were finally starting to be like integrated. Right. Like at a certain point he was like, it was, it was that when like the football team just started, act, started doing good and like, all right, we need, we need more black people. Yeah, here at this right, school. Dude, it, it all we're got starting mixed to get W's. <laughs> yeah. Cause he talked about how like some of the people that were in his, you know, uh, like some of his teachers were black, but it was like an all white neighborhood or like, you yeah. know what I mean? It was all, 
it was all weird, but obviously also grew up in San Francisco during the 50s, 60s, yeah. 70s. So it's also an incredibly progressive and like <laughs> drugs. massive, yeah, change of, of the whole guard and everything going from, okay, well, this is like the conservative 50s. This is where, where we are. And then boom, the 60s. Right. Everything Instantly. just starts to freaking get wild. And Especially like, okay. in San Francisco. I mean, like it was progressive then. Yeah. I mean, now it's like you can just shit on the street. Now it's insane. It's so <laughs> it's insane. It's beyond. Yeah, they're 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 at a level. You we can see what the future is like by looking at San Francisco. Oh, dude, well. it's so bad. I have no like. And I used to remember visiting there when I was a kid. Like my parents would take us to a uh, to Raider games. So like to go, we would they would take us to go see like Sacramento or San Fran just to like pop in and see what it looks like. And dude, I loved it. I like the trolleys, like the nice fucking city. But this is like 2002. Like way different, man. Now it's like I, dude, I don't even want to go. I'm fucking carrying and shit. I'm strapping and looking right for yeah. someone to rob me, dude. It's <laughs> fucked up, dude. Like they show all the videos. Like a CVS is getting robbed, and security guards is chilling there. Like whatever, dude. I'm not, I'm not getting involved in this shit. It's like it's your only job. <laughs> yeah, the last time I was anywhere near there was like Oakland. Fuck, um, Oakland's so yeah, crazy. yeah, and it was, it was, it was surprising how just like the mob of just like it was like a zombie of homeless people would just like descend upon the van as soon as we got out like to go to a convenience store or jack in the box or whatever we were trying to get <laughs> at that you know night after playing our gig and yeah man it's it's wild to see how it's changed so it much is. over the years so you know? when did your dad get out of there when did he come down so probably when he joined zappa i think he moved to la because okay Zappa was living here, right? So he flew down to actually do that audition. He's still living in San Francisco. He's like, you know, somebody told him, hey, you know, go go give this a shot. And yeah. He didn't really know too much about it. Purchased a couple albums the night before and like listened to them. You know, records had to go. There was a record player in the hotel. So he was able to listen to these two albums before, t- before uh, going to the audition. And he just got super nervous and freaked out and was like, oh, Damn. my God, like, I have no idea what I'm getting myself into. This music's like so complicated <laughs> and crazy and all over the place. Like, how yeah. the fuck am I going to hang with this stuff? But then he went, did the audition. And, uh, you know, there was like a, a complicated part that a lot of other people were struggling with. And he said, well, look, I can read this part. Like, I know that this is what it is because it was a really crazy, like chart piece of, you know, sheet music for, right. for drums. Um, he's like, I can't play it, but I could tell you like what it, I know what it is. You know what I mean? It's just like. <laughs> I wouldn't be able to play it for you right now. You know what I mean? Yeah. So, okay. So, all right, next guy come up, you know what I mean? And nobody, nobody moved up after my dad auditioned. Everybody, no way. They just, they just stopped. It was just like, well, he's like, you got the gig if you want it. Yeah. You're the, you're the main guy. <laughs> he's Which like, you're crazy. the only guy, you know, you're the only guy to, uh, you know, everybody else just walked out and nobody else was. Wow. Really, so yeah. Man. Which for those of you guys that don't know, Terry Bozio is your dad. Your dad is what one of the most legendary drummers of all time in rock and roll history man yeah. which is funny to think about because like when i was a kid i i didn't look at drummers that much i, I was a guitar guy yeah so i knew them all by names you know just the classics jimmy page and jimmy hendrix and eric Clapton, and those guys but then you started going into bands and getting their guitars like smaller bands but like my parents played like the missing persons all the time dude and like i never really like paid attention i just knew i loved their songs like i fucking knew i love like their hits destinations unknown and fucking all their fucking mega hits man and it wasn't until i got into like the 80s music a little bit more heavier probably from like 13 to like 16 where i started getting deep into the fucking 80s shit where i found out who your dad was and i jesus christ man like it's 
it's unbelievable because you don't expect it from a band like that, like like kind of like eighties pop rock. Um, to have such a legendary drummer, man. That's what a fucking trip that is, man. Yeah, well, that whole band, you know, was kind of far beyond talented for their for their own, uh, you know, good. You know, um, freaks. Considering it's a considered a new wave pop band. Yeah. You know, they were all former Zappa musicians, except for the keyboard player. But you know, the bass player Patrick O'Hearn played with my dad and Zappa. You know, he was the one who got Crazy. my. Or my dad is the one who got him the gig with Zappa, you know, because he was a guy that he had jammed with, I think, in San Francisco and was like, hey, you know, you should check this guy out, Patrick O'Hearn, blah, 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 came in and, you know, him and him and Frank, it, they didn't hit it off immediately, but eventually did, you know, and then um, Warren Cucurulo, the guitar player, was a huge, like, Frank fanboy who followed him around long enough to where, okay, in the 80s or like, you know, or uh, late, late 70s, but it was after my dad, he played with... <laughs> he got to play with Frank, you know what I mean? Yeah. After just being a fan for so long. Yeah, it's it's really wild. Um, and Dale, too. Dale hung around and was was a big Zappa head, you know? Right. So it was, they were all connected to Zappa one way or another. Which I remember you mentioning on um on Joey's podcast that, that she wasn't related to you. Like, no. that, that, that's a common yeah, mistake that people have. Yeah, all exactly. Time. Yeah, because of the, the era, you know, people are, don't know exactly when I was born or know that, yeah, after after Dale, my dad, did marry somebody else. Or, you know what I mean? Some people think that they were still <laughs> married, you know? So it's one of those things. You have this idea of a band, you know, and yeah, not everybody's a historian or not everybody's up to date Dude, or no, looking, looking up everything, you know what I mean? So it's one of those things where it's like, yeah, it's, it's always a common mistake. People, Oh, you know, your mom, she was such a great singer, yeah. blah, blah, blah. Or another thing that happens is because of the names, Dale and Terry, people go like, Oh yeah, Dale was such an amazing drummer. You know what yeah. I mean? Your dad, <laughs> yeah. and Dale's so freaking great. You know like, that's crazy. Yeah. Do you have any memories of them playing when you're like when you're younger? Did you have like a good relationship with her or no? Uh, no, I was I I was never I wasn't born by the time that they uh by they the time playing. yeah, right. Yeah, it, yeah it, exactly. I was I was born in 1990. Missing Persons broke up in 86. Damn. 88, sometime around then. And that's all, like, crazy. After their last album, their last album came out in 86. So it was uh, shortly after that. Wow. Um and yeah, my I mean my dad was planning to go on with the band and he was going to sing lead vocals. No way. So, yeah. So on that last album, there's a couple tunes with him singing lead. Damn. And just like, okay, this was the direction they were going to go in. Dale kind of went off and Prince was in love with missing persons. He thought it was actually, you know, a news article when Prince died, like the last albums he bought at an album store, one of them was a no missing way. person's greatest hits. You know what I mean? Fuck. That's yeah. crazy. Yeah. Well, so he produced Dale uh, and her solo Oh, he did. Uh, yeah, because Damn. he loved Missing Persons so much. Um, and he thought, you know, everybody thought, okay, well, obviously the band is amazing and the real musicians knew, okay, this is what's up. But she was the visual aspect, you know, she was, she was. She was Lady fine, Gaga yeah. before Lady Gaga was, she was. was around. And, and even Lady Gaga's friends will tell you that. At least there's been blog posts and stuff where it's like, yeah, she was obsessed with Dale and like, you know, got so many of her looks from Dale yeah. and, and, all, and her style, all that stuff. Um. So yeah, uh, Prince tried to produce her, put a whole bunch of money into her, and she ended up like blowing it. No way, blowing it all, yeah, and, and like didn't didn't put any of the money that she got for the advance into the record. So like, wow. I'm not I'm not here to like smear Dale or no, anything no, no, like no, that, no. but it's just fascinating stuff. Rock and roll like, people tend to be like that. Well, and and <laughs> yeah. that's the thing. It's like okay, you have Prince, you know, putting his name on you and saying, okay, this is somebody who's gonna be a star, and right. you, you have a Paisley Parks freaking song, you know what I mean? Like all this stuff, and um, yeah, just 
it didn't end up. It's so happening. crazy. I just yeah. I just saw them play, um, like literally in October. I think yeah, in October we had um John Eastdale of Drama Rama on here, and it was a fucking great time. I didn't even know the dude lived two blocks from my childhood house. Oh wow! Like forever. Like That's literally, crazy. The, yeah, my whole life. I was like, dude, if I did know that, I would have harassed you. Wow. I would have yeah. bugged you. I would have been like ten years old at yeah, your absolutely. fucking garage. Like, dude, let me see your records. Like yeah. fucking, let me hang out here just for an hour. Fucking, you know something. That's but, amazing. Um. It was a great interview. And then he's like, hey, we're doing a show in San Diego with uh, Oingo Boingo former members and missing persons. And I was like, oh, dude, I got to fucking go to that shit. It's a great time. Dale was there. She fucking she still sounds great, which is crazy because like all of her songs are super high pitched with like the classic squeak thing that she does. It's like um, that was pretty nuts, man. It was a fucking amazing show. But it's crazy to see how far like this has come. Like I still see them perform. They were just performing in like in Corona. Like last week and shit and well, I think it's just her, right? I think I, so. Yeah, I think so. Yeah, so. But um, it's just it's just fucking bananas. My to friend me, plays drums for them. No, no way. Um, Andy Sinezi, great guy. Damn. Yeah, yeah. So you does know, he call you and say, "What's your dad dr- say about this?" Yada yada. It's the it's the drum community. You know how it is. Like all drummers yeah. are friends with each other. So yeah, we were at the DW 50th anniversary the other day. You know, in November and. Andy's a DW guy. I, I was there. My dad was there and I introduced them. I was like, Hey, this is, this he's is the guy, guy, you know, and he's like super embarrassed. Like, come on, man. You know, like I'm, I'm, <laughs> I'm done. No, no, no. Uh, Andy was oh, embarrassed. Yeah. You know what I mean? What are you he's doing? Like, I'm, yeah. You know, I'm, uh, I'm just trying to do my best here, you know, yeah. and my dad was super cool about it. You know, but it was funny. That's funny. What, yeah. what's that been like for you to be honest? Cause I see that in, it's not just in a entertainment industry, man. Like people have the same pressure of, um, like your dad is a is a legendary police officer, yeah. And you're like fucking everyone. You're going into this, and everyone's going, "What the fuck, man? What are you gonna do?" It's annoying, I would imagine. I'm sure it's fucking high pressure. I'm sure it's fucking gets you pissed sometimes. You're like, "Man, I got my own shit going on." Like, what was it like for you? Where and then it also makes you honored because you're like, "Hell yeah!" Like that's where I come from too. So like, it's a bunch of emotions, I would imagine. Like, how does it fucking you know? How's it impacted your life? Yeah, well, I mean, it's fifty fifty. You know, it's it can really hurt you and it can really help you depending on what your perspective on it is and then how you, you know, kind of decide to <laughs> what you decide to do with it. You know yeah. what I mean? Cause there's many people, you know, I've, I've gotten hard on myself, you know, obviously I think that's a big part of it, right. Is there's like an expectation because, right. you know, you see all these other, Oh, this son of this star, or this yeah. daughter, this star is already, You're like Ken Griffey's son. Yeah. They're like, like, be good at baseball. Yeah. They're like killing it. You know what I mean? You're like, okay, well, why am I not killing it yet? I've been doing the same stuff. I've been working, you know, towards, towards my goal of success and all this stuff, but it's like, okay, well, the, all those, those goals are always constantly changing is, is a big thing. But, um, you know, uh, I've, I've had many friends tell me, look, like I know a lot of people who are kids of rock stars or kids of famous people, blah, blah, blah. You're one of the people that has like it the most together. Yeah. Like, you know what I mean? Like, it's really good that you are where you're at now. And, and you know, it's okay that you might feel like you're a little bit behind or it's taking you a little bit longer to hit as big as you think you want to hit or you know you're going to hit or whatever. Um, Because it's really all just about consistency. Yeah. It's all about never giving up. He's like, everybody I know that uh that didn't make it gave up. <laughs> You know what I mean? Everybody I know that didn't make it quit, you know, and every and everybody else who I know just kept at it, you know, eventually they hit something. I mean, I was with uh, my student's dad is friends with Dean DeLeo of 
Stone Temple Pilots, the guitar player right, for Stone okay, Temple yeah. Pilots, Fucking right? Awesome. R- amazing, prolific writer, you know. Um, and they're they're homies. And so I was finishing teaching a lesson and Dean's out there on the porch hanging out with my student's dad, and I'm talking, and you know, he's my student's dad is a fan of mine, so he's talking me up, and obviously Dean knows about my dad and all this stuff. And we're just talking about the whole thing. And uh I I was I was 30 at the time and just telling him, you know, I'm I'm just I'm trying to do a couple different things, but nothing has really been sticking or, you know, I, right. I feel like I keep kind of running in like a hamster wheel where it's like, uh, I'm just about to, you know, progress, but I just kind of end up in the yeah. same place. And he's like, dude, like, don't ever worry about age or any of that stuff. Like, it's it's really about the consistency because I wasn't 30 until I got my first deal with Stone Temple Pilots. Fuck, you know what I mean? Dude. And you think so about crazy. those guys. Yeah, you think, oh no, they were they had to have been around since they're like early twenties, right? Yeah. Because of how long their career was and all this stuff. You think of them as just like staples, but it was like, no, he wasn't, you know, it wasn't until he's and so many people think, oh yeah, that's the cutoff age. It's like, oh, 30 and I'm done. But now, because of how technology has advanced so much and people are just naturally like looking and feeling and being younger over the years that's yeah like true 30 is 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 the new 20 it 30 really is, is the new 20 and you, you know do it mean? when you're 30 most of the time you got money now so yeah now you're exactly like, yeah you have some money and some experience and you're still young enough to really kind of put it all together yeah so it's like okay that's really the time where you fire things up and seriously it's like, you know, but then for some people it's in their 50s you know what i mean some people dude, it's some seriously. people it takes well i mean look at joey you know yeah Joey's dude joey career, talks about that all the time yeah he didn't he never never would have imagined the crazy life that he has as a comedian, you know, doing all the crazy criminal shit that he was doing <laughs> back in the people. day. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And you think of that, it's like, okay, some people probably think of him as such a deplorable person, but then we all think of him as like our fun uncle where it's yeah. like, yeah, you know, he did some fucked up shit, but his, <laughs> but his heart's in the right place. It is. Yeah. And he knows that what he did was wrong and all this stuff. You know what right. I mean? It's not like he's just like, a merciless fucking asshole. Right. It's like he did what he had to do at the time. Yes. That's what he felt. And that, that was, those were the tools he was given. And then you hear about his life and his background and all that stuff. So it's like, okay, it all, it all makes a lot of sense. It so. does. Yeah. And the way he elaborates is, is my, was my favorite part about it is like, you know, he explains his emotions very well. Like I was lost at this time. Like I fucking, yeah, I felt like I was hopeless, yada, yada, yada. And it's funny that you, you, you describe that aspect in your life of like, being almost there. There's a song that reminds you of that um, from Van Morrison called uh, Dweller on the Threshold. And that's really what it is. It's like you're yeah. always on the threshold. You're like this close. And it it's rela- It's a vague song. It's like it could be about love. It could be about it's your personal goals, whatever. But that's like the idea of it all is that like if you just keep, just hang out, just just dwell on that threshold. Don't fuck around. Don't bail. Yeah. Don't fucking run away. Just stay there. Keep pushing. Because that's what all these guys say. All these guys say that made it and whatever, man. It's always the same shit. Like they just didn't stop. You know, yeah. and they and they had a lot of failures and they just didn't give a fuck, yeah. you know, and you can't, you just cannot give a fuck, man. Especially with shit like this, man. Like, I think especially with drumming, dude, drumming is fucking super hard to be like a stick in unless you're in some mega band where it's like you you have your thing, like Lars Ulrich, like, okay, you're the, you're the fucking, you're a metal band and you're, this is what you do. Yeah. Um, drumming could be anything, man. Like, fuck, dude. Like there's some nasty drummers that could do funk. I can do some nasty shit. It's almost like bass where like you can kind of just converge into any fucking genre you want to choose just depending on whoever fucking gives you a chance. Yeah. You know? And um, 
Like, what has that been like for you? Like, what are your favorite genres? What are the ones you want to stick in? Well, that's most? what I made sure to do when I was young, you know, or when I started getting into different styles of music. I mean, when I first started playing drums, I was into punk rock and heavy metal, right? Yeah. That, that was kind of the idea. I wanted to be like the first band I was in, we wanted to be like some 41. Sick. That was the idea is like those guys, they were at and they were in like, they were teenagers, you know, or in yeah. their early 20s or whatever, just killing it, touring, doing all this stuff. Who fucks that might have? Uh, we're good. Thank you. Fucking rolling up in my podcast. Housekeeping. <laughs> love it. I love it. Okay. So anyway, yeah, some, uh, excuse me, some 41, th- those were the idols and, and we're really into those guys. So we, that those were c- the kinds of music that I was just playing for the most part. And I liked rap and a little bit of this and that here and there. And then by the time I was kind of into eighth grade, so that was sixth grade, eighth grade, I started getting way into more into metal, you know, new metal, a little bit more progressive and weirder stuff. And then once I hit ninth grade, I got into Tool. And that's what like expanded my mind to like all these crazy horizons of just right. like, okay. Because yeah, growing up, I I had always been exposed to different kinds of music, right? My mom would kind of listen to one thing. My dad would kind of listen to another. My cousin listened to something else. And those were all kind of the influences that were piling on yeah. to me. So I had all these diverse kind of places and different things to pull from. Um, and it really makes a lot of sense, like especially now with my Twitch stream, because I kind of just take song requests and play random stuff all the time. I'm playing the songs that I've never heard before or playing. Sick. I have no like limits of like what genre I'll play. Obviously, I can't play like the insane double bass, double blade, ah, double bass blast beat. Yeah. You know, to a certain extent, like there's some of that stuff I could do, but there's like there's a point where it's like, OK, I can't. Yeah. You, have to, you have to pick another song. This ain't going to work out. <laughs> yeah. But um, yeah, you know, we I, I love everything. I love. So I've, I've played in genres and styles of every artist from country to death metal, jazz, hip hop, funk, you know, reggae. Um, I, I could just go on electronic bands. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like all this stuff. Yeah. I've been really blessed. And then like singer songwriter stuff, you know, like I've, I've been able to do, I've done uh, covered gigs, you know what I mean? All that stuff. So learning all these other bands songs, you know, for, note for note or as close to as note for note as you can, yeah. you know, it's all been kind of piling on to this Rolodex, right? You know, you're just kind of creating your own musical vocabulary from learning all these different styles. And yeah, I knew, okay, if I was like that, then I could play any gig, right? You right. Know, of course. That's, uh, then I, I don't have to say no to anything. I can't say, oh, well, fuck, I can't play that style. Right. Oh, you know, I don't think I'm familiar with that. It's like, no, you know, let's do it. Like, let's hear it. Send me the songs. Okay. It sounds good. You know? Yeah, obviously, man. like I said, there's a double bass and blast beat speed cut off. Yeah, <laughs> but you know, I'm 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 always willing to uh to learn and uh to try and get stuff like that going. You know, really, all that is a matter of is like hashing out reps, right? And, of course, and trying trying to grind that stuff. But I just I don't have much interest. You there's, know, what I mean? there's a funny story from on um on Springsteen came out with that uh on Broadway thing. Yeah, fucking epic record, man. Um, and he's talking about when they first got started in Jersey and they were doing like backyard gigs and weddings and shit like that. And his first drummer, uh, I think his name was mad dog Lopez. They called him. He's like, dude, this guy was like our best drummer. Like he's the only one we had anyways in the neighborhood, but he was our best one. He's like, but he couldn't play tequila, which was like the biggest song in the world at that time. And it was like, you couldn't play a gig without people asking you to play tequila. So (laughs) he's like, every time we'd go up, we would like beg him, like, please just fucking practice. And he's like, I can't, he's like, I literally just, it was something in his head. He's like, I can't get the rhythm of it all. 
I can't do it. And wow. like they would go to these gigs and every time they play it, they would just fuck it up and the crowd would boom off. He's like, but we just kept going. And then um, it wasn't until like um, they got drafted for the war. Like a lot of them did, um, except for except for Bruce and like I think one or two other people. And he was one of them and he got killed in uh, Vietnam. And then that's when Max Weinberg came in later. And then the rest of history, fucking greatest band ever. And Max yeah. could play tequila, baby. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> fucking that was legend, the difference, man. dude. That was the difference maker. They kind of touched on that a little bit, like on uh, the song Candy's Room. Like it has the same intro, like uh, symbols, like right away, like super fast. And like, you're like, oh, okay. It's kind of like an homage to their old drummer, like, hey, we're playing it for you, you know? But it's wild, man. I think about all the different genres. And I think it's funny how, like, uh, it always bugged me when I was younger. This is a huge classic rock guy and everything like that. Love Sum 41. Um, every band like that. Blink-182. Fucking super into all that shit. Um, but it bugged me how they put classic rock into like a like a bubble. Like it was as if it was his own genre. I'm like, dude, U2 sounds nothing like fucking Metallica. Springsteen yeah. sounds nothing like ACDC. Like Def Leppard has a fucking drummer with one hand, for God's sakes, man. Like none of these people yeah. sound exactly the same. But like they're like, ah, it's just all one... And it always the eagles, you know. Yeah, none of them sound the same. And I was like, it was always so crazy to me because for me, like, my mind blew up when I first started hearing this shit. It really did. Like, I remember my dad when I was younger gave me like, he gave me like Metallica, he gave me ACDC, and he gave me like Tupac, like random. Like that's all he gave me. He was like, and then and then Mexican, so he gave me Vicente Fernandez too. And then that's it. He was like, the rest is like you figure it out on your own. But I would go like. Back in the day, this is when you could download shit legally. Legally, you know what I'm saying? Yeah, Napster, uh, Exactly. <laughs> and uh, I would just type in bands like Metallica. And then Sabbath would pop up. Iron Maiden would pop up. And I would just download all their shit. I didn't yeah. know any of the music. I didn't even care. I had to be like eight or nine years old. And I would download all their albums. And I would just sit for hours and listen to them. Go outside, skateboard with your friends. Go to baseball practice. Come back, download more shit. Fucking play your guitar. Try to figure it out. And it's you see the nuance of it all, and you see how different it all is. Like, dude, like, there's is there anybody like fucking Bill Ward? There's fucking nobody like Bill Ward. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely nobody. Man. I mean, and it's so like to hear all this shit later, and dude, it's like Ronnie James Dio. You come know? on, it's man. Like, yeah, there's nothing like that shit, man. Yeah. Even when he came to Sabbath, they changed completely. That's what I'm saying. Yeah, yeah. like that was like a level up. I'm I'm one of those guys that I'm a fan of Dio Sabbath, and then I was more of a fan of Van. Halen Roth, but now over the years I've become more of a Van Hagar guy. Damn, I oh think, shit! Yeah, so I like I stand on both of those crosses of like Dio era and Hagar era. Yeah, the better eras of both those bands. And most people, you know, you could say I'm just trying to be contrary, yeah. but like <laughs> I, I honestly think the songs got better because of those singers, right? Dude, those seriously. bands changed their singers to singers who were more musical and into playing guitar, writing melodies and writing things. Whereas Ozzy and Roth are both great vocalists and great entertainers, but are not amazing songwriters. Correct. You know what I yeah, mean? Yeah, there's nothing written like heaven and hell. That's yeah. What, well, I mean, and like- and freaking, uh, you know, Ozzy didn't even write any of his own lyrics anyway. And yeah, Sabbath, you know, it was all geezer. So I was like, OK, like he, he, he only they say he only started writing stuff when he started doing solo stuff. But even that it's contested that other people have written his lyrics. Right. I don't know. I'm not, I'm not here to, to say what, what, fucking what is truth. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I don't want to disrespect Ozzy. Ozzy's a legend. legend you know, yeah. you got to love Ozzy. You know, it's like he's, and not only that, but he 
whether he was behind the creative ideas or not, led to the exposure of so many amazing musicians. So many. You know, like Randy Rhodes, like Jakey Lee, like, you know, freaking Randy Castillo, all these amazing drummers, you know, Zach Wilde, all all these people. We wouldn't really know about unless it was for Ozzy. Yeah. Yeah, like like Rudy Sarzo was always on Joey's podcast and shit. He gave him a shot. And yeah, Rudy Tommy Aldridge. You that's know, that's crazy, I mean? yeah. man. Unbelievable. Yeah. What? How important it is? How important is it to you um, to have a really good basis with you? Because that's what people talk about the most is the rhythm section of a song is what makes an, a, a truly amazing band. There's great bands everywhere, but when the rhythm section is in tune and they're working together, there's nothing like it. There's nothing like a good bass like Geezer and Will and Bill Ward working together. There's nothing like you know, fucking John Paul Jones and fucking, you know, Bonham working together. It's, there's nothing like it. Yeah. I mean, it's a huge pleasure. Like I, I definitely, it's something I've really been able to savor and I've been in bands with some mediocre bass players, some pretty good bass players, and then some bass players that are like freaking just, you know, they're so much more advanced than me, so much either older than me and experienced where it's like, wow, like, I feel like it's a pleasure for me to play with them because of all the years that they've put in. You can just, you can feel it as a drummer. It's like autopilot. It's like, oh fuck. Like I can, I can even slow down. I can speed up and they're there with me. And I'm not like, you know what I mean? I'm not, I'm not shaking the song. Like they're able to react to you because everybody talks about, okay, it's the drummer's job for, you know, to to lead the band for everybody to follow him. Right. But if your bass player isn't really there with you, and they're they they're just on time, which is okay to be, you know what I mean? Which is probably the right thing to do sometimes. Right. But you know, it's it's music, right? It, it ebbs and flows when you don't have a click track at least, right? Yeah, sometimes, absolutely. Sometimes you're playing songs where, you know, with my one band band Chainflower, our bass is programmed. So we don't have a bass player, you know, I'm playing along two tracks. So that's just me jamming and I don't have much to rely on except for listening to the click track and making sure that I'm on that. Right. And then that bass will be with me. You know what I mean? Damn. But when you get to play with like, yeah, an amazing human bass player, like I've got to play with this great guy, Ted Russell camp. Um, when I play with the smoke and kills, which is a California country band and Ted plays with uh shooter Jennings, um, who's Waylon Jennings son, you know? And, um, they do this gig too that like they just I think they won a Grammy or they they've they've gotten a bunch of great nominations for this um album they did with Yellow Wolf. Oh shit. They just okay. did like a collaboration with Shooter Jennings and Yellow Wolf and Ted played bass on that. And yeah, Ted's like an amazing country and uh rock and roll and Americana um session bass player, but Damn. actually also a great jazz bass player too. He has a an amazing uh, jazz album. Which is so fucking you know hard. I mean? Yeah, just I was does, gonna ask you about jazz. Does Holy all sorts fuck. of stuff. Yeah, well, I mean most most every great bass player you play with is gonna have some sort of jazz background or, or you know at least be be a jazz admirer. Um but yeah playing with him has been tremendous. Uh I got to play recently well actually not recently about a year ago a really tremendous show with these guys. Um this guitar player, singer, piano player, Jonathan McEwen, who's the son of John McEwen from the Nitty Gritty Dirt Band. So he's another kind of like legacy player. Right. Um, he played the Grand Ole Opry when he was 15. You know what, what I mean? Is like, a, yeah, he's like a virtuoso, but he's maybe 20 years younger or 20 years older than me, something like that. Maybe, uh, maybe a little older even, but he grew up being into. 70s and psychedelic stuff and all the rock and funk and prince and all that jazz but also 
being having this country background and being a country and rock and roll and Americana kind of rock, uh, you know, legacy player. Right. And so he has this great mixture of these two styles that you wouldn't really think of, right? You don't think of like cool psychedelic and funk music and weird yeah. kind of upbeat stuff you like don't that. Think about and that at country, all. you know what I mean? Mixing up or bluegrass or blues or or whatever, you know. Um, so he has that ability to kind of do all those things and blend them in all these weird ways. So we would go from, yeah, playing some really funky, you know, wild stuff to playing some bluegrass, almost finger picking type stuff, you know, and it was just kind of all over the place. But we played a gig. Uh, it was me, him and another bass player, uh, Danny. Oh, frick. Randy Tico. I can't believe I almost <laughs> forgot his name. Randy Tico, T-I-C-O. Oh, my gosh. Amazing. One of just... Just a freak. You know, yeah, a guy who's in his 50s, 60s, you know what I mean? Tremendous player. Just like he elevated me. And playing with both of those guys, really, because they were such amazing musicians. It's not super often that I play with guys. No no offense to anybody else I play with, but that I play with guys where I'm truly like blown away at how yeah. much more talented they are at me at their instruments. Right. You know what I mean? Where I feel like I'm the odd one out because I'm so used to everybody telling I'm again, not to act like I'm some freaking amazing <laughs> or whatever, but like so many people like, man, you know, you're one of the most talented drummers I've ever worked with. Blah, right. Blah. And it's like, I was feeling the same way where I'm just like, this is, it was blowing it's my mind. To awesome. Jonathan. And we didn't plan anything. We didn't say a word to each other. We just said, we're just going to call it in the ring. Damn. So we just said, okay, cool. So they would just start playing and Jonathan would sing and play. And Randy was right there with him and with me. And then we would go into sections of, okay, well, here's some singing and here's a song where we're kind of going back and forth between chorus, you know, verse, or he would do like a, a weird fucked up cover of something where we, you don't realize what we're doing a cover of until, you know, the chorus hits. And you're like, Oh, that's what we're playing right now. <laughs> like, Whoa, you know, weird stuff. Um, and yeah, uh, then we would go into weird sections where we're just improvising and just kind of jamming. And then, okay, Randy would kind of take the lead and we would kind of follow him at a second. Or then, okay, I would take the lead and say, all right, guys, let's like speed it up and go here. Or let's, you know, bring it down. And and just the musical conversation that we had that night, we played about Unbelievable, two, man. we played about two hour long sets. And yeah, just, uh, it was up in Solvang wine country. You know what I mean? So we're all just drinking wine. Shit. It's Jonathan's birthday, you know, smoking weed. Hell yeah. And we're just hanging out and just jamming and just digging, digging life. Yeah. It was, it was truly an amazing experience. Like this, just this small room, you know, maybe twice the size of the room we're in, two or three times the size of the room we're in now, you know? Yeah. Like packed full of people. The whole town came to see us that night, you know what I mean? Fuck. It was like, you know, and all these people, we had like rocket scientists. Who live in the neighborhood? They're like yeah. coming by, and like this was an amazing show, you know. Fucking like Elon Musk was there and shit, just all yeah, exactly, yeah. People like that, yeah, yeah. It was it was wild, man. So that's crazy. We just yeah. I just interviewed um Robert Cool Bell, fucking yesterday. Okay, who's yeah, cool, cool in the cool gang. gang. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And his base his bass riffs are just so fucking stupid. It's, he has he has riffs that like you, that are so unorthodox, like you wouldn't even think about ever making anything like that ever. Which funk allows you to do, but like even the beginning of of Ladies Night, like he just does this little random like boom, and then the song starts. Yeah, like just I don't know where. Like you don't. Yeah, need, it's you, just feel, man. Yeah, you, like weird you didn't have to do flavor, that. Flavor, yeah, accents, you know. Yeah, yeah dude. fucking crazy, man. To see how that pans out, and you know, it's I like how you mentioned when when someone is that good that it elevated you because 
in my mind, that's the mark of someone who's who's good at what the fuck they do. Like, I really do think that. Like, uh, like I told you, I'm performing a wedding. Like, that, when I get the stakes higher like that, I get fucking excited. I don't even get nervous. I get fucking stoked that if it was for 10 people, I'd probably be a little bit nervous. And if it's yeah. for 200, I'm like, let's fucking do it. Like, it's more pressure, more stakes. Same thing with uh, sports. You play baseball, you want to play the fucking best players. Well, yeah. I know? mean, imagine you're a rookie on a team with, you know, LeBron and Kobe yeah. and Shaq and freaking, you know, Allen Iverson and all these guys. That's exactly what it's and like. And you're like, okay, I'm with all these bad motherfuckers. I know I'm here for a reason, but I still know they're on another level than I am right now. Of course. And so it's just like, yeah, it, it completely elevates your game. It inspires you. Um, you learn so much from it. And then also it, um, you know, it makes you feel accomplished. It makes you feel like, okay, you know, I, if I can hang with these guys and they're not telling me like, that was fucking miserable, like get the fuck out of here. You know what I mean? It means, yeah. okay, I'm doing the right thing. You Hell know yeah. What I mean? yeah. And you got nothing to lose really. Like that, they, they're already going like, we know how fucking badass we are. So like, yeah. see what the kids got. Yeah. You know, it's like, it's like uh, being in the world series and they put in this rookie pitcher, like, he, like the moment shouldn't be that big for you because you're like, who gives a fuck? Dude, I'm gonna be back next year. Who's the guy uh, that they've just been talking about? I'm not really a football f- uh, follower, but Brock Purdy, right? Isn't this oh the guy yeah, yeah, the guy from the Niners. Like, he was the third string last quarterback. pick of the draft. Yeah, and like boom, now he's freaking killing it. Yeah, because he's got nothing to lose. Like fuck yeah. it, I'm gonna go in there and throw the ball. And his mentality is that, and that that's why I'm glad you brought it up because it's it's mostly just mentality, dude. Yeah. If it was skill, it wouldn't he wouldn't be that good. Yeah. It's mostly just mentality. He trusts in what he's doing and he believes in it no matter how good everyone else is around him. And like yeah. that. And then when people are better, he gets even fucking way more excited and does even better. Yeah. It's the same shit, man. I truly do believe in that shit. Um, and I've read a lot of books that help with that, like in, in my life, whether it be like one that's in your face, like stop being a pussy and get up and make your bed. Or like other ones that are more like, this is why you make the mistakes every single day. This is why you're afraid of failure. This is why you're afraid of yada, 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 yeah. whatever, man. But it took a while to get to that point to even want it. Did, did, did you read anything like that? Or did you fucking get any inspiration from YouTube or any fucking people like that? Yeah, I mean, a big part of it is guys like Rogan, you yeah. know, guys like Joey Diaz. Um, and then just being around musicians and music my entire life. And yeah. Yeah, I mean, like I said, there's there's times where I'm I'm questioning myself and I'm questioning what I'm doing, what I'm doing. There's only been one serious time where I really was like, okay, like considering maybe drums isn't my, like, isn't my destiny. Maybe that isn't what I was supposed to be put here on this earth to do. There's only one time I questioned it. Um, But I did DMT (laughs) shortly (laughs) after that. I I had done it before. Yeah. I had done it before, but I did some and I had a massive reminder and wake up call that it's like, yes, drums is your destiny wow it is your life it has always been your life it has been your soul's life for eternity you know your ancestors back in the caveman days you were drumming you know what i mean yeah when we were sitting around campfires in the jungle you were freaking drumming you know what i mean like all that kind of stuff um so yeah i uh i'm lucky to to be aware of that because not everybody there's people that Dude, so many struggle, people aren't yeah people that struggle with that their entire lives you yeah know, they, they they hit their 50s and they they don't know what 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 the fuck do i want to do they've yeah. been working at That's some it. shitty office job their entire life you know and um yeah so it's a wild thing i don't i can't even remember what our original point was talking about oh the book reading reading and stuff like that yeah so yeah i mean i've got so many great um, musicians that I look up to, you know, mentors that I can ask questions to. I mean, obviously my dad is a huge one, right? And 
um, a couple big things he's told me is the biggest one is none of these gigs will make or break your career. No matter what it is, that's not how music works. That's not how the industry works. Um, you will think that this is going to be it. You know, oh, finally, I have this gig and I'm going to be set. I'm going to make it right. Yeah. You know what I mean? And then right as you're about to jump on the plane for the first, first tour, you know, the singer could overdose or whatever. You know what I mean? Like there's a Anything. million different things that could happen. And that is the biggest part of it is this like it's an inevitability right fucked up shit will happen there's albums there's there's only maybe two or three albums and recordings that i've made that have like actually seen the light of day that i was like an active part of and not just like a session right you know what i mean and that is way is maybe a quarter of the amount that i've done and completed and been ready to fucking release so and go fucking play out and tour with the band or whatever right and right as we're ready the freaking carpet gets pulled underneath your feet and you're like, okay, now I'm back to square one. Yep. And as a drummer, that's where it becomes really difficult because you do rely on other people, right? I mean, obviously you can go the Dave Grohl route and start writing your own songs and all that shit, but I just want to play drums, man. Yeah. I just want to play drums for other people. I like writing music and I like writing songs, but I'm not that inspired or at least I'm not motivated, you know, right now to write just to write a whole album and have that be my life. I just want to play write music with other musicians. I love producing and, um, you know, co-writing things, but I'm not a guy who comes to you with the song ideas. Yeah. You come to me with the song ideas and then I make it better. Like, right. like Lars did with Enter exactly. Sandman, right? Perfect example of that. Exactly. Riff that everybody thinks is so iconic was originally, but Lars said, you know what? You should do that first riff three times. Yeah. And think of the massive, just changing that one little thing, change that song and change Metallica's career forever to a certain extent because that was the, the song that blew them, skyrocketed them to the moon. You know, did, they were yeah. at one level and then Enter Sandman came out and that's like, a freaking, you know, it's like a nursery rhyme. It's yeah. like everybody freaking knows that song. Then you song. have millions of, or fucking thousands of people in Russia just watching you play that fucking song. Yeah, dude. I mean, <laughs> well, sea of people. and now at this point, right, at however however many years they've been doing it, 40 plus, you know, 50 so years It's almost. like 50, I think. Jesus fucking, Christ. I think it's unbelievable, man. Think about how far they've come and shit, man. It's it's bananas, man. I, there was, that was my first love of a band, to be honest with you. It was like, you know, and as a drummer, I've I've heard everything people say about Lars, and I, my my ear for drumming, I would say, is not as um, fine tuned to to see if there's errors or not. Um, but he was the first drummer I definitely fell in love with. Like when I listened to like fucking Blackened, and shit, like that was like what the fuck. When I listened to Harvester of Sorrow, like this is genius. Like the fucking drums are perfect. That whole album is stupid for drums. It's unbelievable. Yeah. Um, it's known as not having any bass, which is everyone talks shit about it, but. He's an easy target, you know what I mean? People He's do an that easy all the time, target, yeah. just like uh who's the other Ringo is an easy target. Of Everybody course. likes to try to trash Ringo, you know what I mean? It's like, okay. These guys are iconic. The songs that they've written are iconic. Their beats are iconic. Their feel is iconic. That's the right? most important Un thing, dude. Untouchable with those bands. And then the yeah, the like so many of the parts that they wrote, every drummer at one point or another has looked up to Lars, you know, that's that's around today from, from my generation. Of you course. know what I mean? Everyone yeah. heard one and was like, oh, shit, like that double yeah, bass dude. when it kicks in. Yeah. Darkness. But then here's but here's the other side of it is like, OK, but Lars only recorded that one part once right. and then they just looped it. Right. 
like apparently right that's the rumors he could only nail one take and so they just copied and pasted it (laughs) the whole rest of the way but so that there that's why people hate hate all you know what i mean okay i see why and you know there's the classic joke of like yeah lars is the only drummer to play for 30 years and not get any better like you know what i mean (laughs) there's all these jokes where it's like okay but he to to be honest, I have heard him improving over the past few years. You know what I mean? He's cleaned up. He he, he had an era, but you know, those guys have struggled with so much. They oh, they're man. obviously all dealing with some severe mental health issues. Seriously, from, from when you watch that some kind of monster movie, dude. <laughs> I like, didn't even want to watch it because I fucking hated Saint Anger. I hate. I mean, I loved Saint Anger the song and Frantic the song on that album, and everything else was like I can't fucking listen to the rest of the album. It was so bad. It was so badly produced. Poor Kirk, dude. It when was they like tell the worst him we're thing. not gonna play solos on the album. Like, like, dude, you could just see Kirk's whole world. And here's the moment you can pinpoint where, where you can pinpoint where his heart breaks. You know, dude. I remember when I bought it. I bought it at a fucking. I think I bought it. I bought it at a Tower Records, and I was so happy. And we put it in the car, and I was like, "What the fuck is this shit?" Like, I I grew up on like you know, the best fucking records, Kill 'Em All, Ride Ride the Lightning, and all this yeah. stuff. And I was like, "This is." It was just, I don't even think about it. So I've never even seen the fucking movie, the documentary, because I was like, I don't know. And then obviously their bass player dying and Trujillo yeah. coming in. They've been through a fucking ringer. And but that's like my favorite part about it, dude, is like their their music is expressive of that. Like big time. Like to go from like the four horsemen and then to go later on and play Nothing Else Matters, like the range you guys have is stupid. Yeah, How absolutely. the fuck do you do like thrash metal to like Nothing Else Matters is considered like a top five song for them and they're a metal band. Yeah, man. Yeah. It's fucking Yo, crazy. Both, and Unforgiven, right? A similar yeah. kind of song, almost a ballady type of feel, you know? Yeah. Unbelievable, man. Who are your personal favorite like musicians now that like, you know, that you look up to now or favorite bands, maybe not even in the in the genre that you specifically play in, but just some that you really, really enjoy? Yeah. So a lot of the bands I like uh as you're just as far as modern bands or just kind of of all time you know actually i'm interested more in of all time now i think about it okay yeah yeah Yeah, i mean what i'm what i'm currently listening to or i've been been into for a long time or would say like are kind of my main group of bands you know tool is one of the biggest bands i I don't listen to as much Tool because I did listen to so much Tool. You know right. what I mean? It's like, I know they're... It's ingrained in you now. I know those first five albums or whatever, like Inside Out, Upside Down, you know, like I, I love them, you know right. what I mean? But yeah, it's like now I get to just go see Tool and experience them and just like that's that's Sick. so so fun. And then you, you remember, oh yeah, this song or this yeah. riff or this part, you know what I mean? You might not have thought about and, and just getting to see them is always cool. Um. Periphery is another band that I love, you know, such great songwriting, such cool, creative stuff, amazing drumming, amazing musicianship. Um, you know, Meshuggah is a classic. Uh, Mastodon is a classic, you know. Um, then I love bands like Cassiopeia, Japanese jazz fusion. You know what I mean? Where it's just like it's almost sounds like Mario Kart music to a certain extent. That's what turned me on to them was I was like, these guys sound like Sega Dreamcast video games. That's you know sick. what I mean? Like, yeah, amazing musicians. Um, Lately, I've been listening to this band called Pillars of Ivory, which is like this really tight mix of like New York hardcore and like hip hop samples and beats and weird stuff to where it's like their demo, like these albums that they put out are like just one 13 minute song. You know, there's like two two of them. Yeah. And it's like it's more like three two minute or three two minutes or three three minute songs, something like that. Six three minute songs. Um 
and it's just like a hip hop kind of interlude. And then boom, here's like this riff sesh where they're just Sick. fucking rocking and screaming. And then boom, here comes another hip hop interlude. And then here's another riff sesh, then another hip hop, then another riff. And then it's like, okay, that was it, you know? And it's right. weird. Like they're all like a minute and a half, two minute long, short little just fucking jams. But you're like, oh, wow, I this like is that, super though. cool stuff. Yeah, yeah. There was something I discovered recently that I think is really cool. Knocked Loose is, is a more recent band that I really like. They're super just heavy. You know, these are all kind of more on the 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 heavier side and the rock side of bands I listen to. But I mean, I love hip hop. I love Anderson Pack. I think he's amazing. Sick. Uh, that Hell album yeah. Ant- Oxnard that came out, I think, is like one of my favorite albums of all time. It's just Damn. such a good album from from front to back. Just like I think that's what I, I find the most interesting when when guys can actually fucking um, incorporate real drums into hip hop. It's hard to do because yeah. people use the bullshit fucking. He's a real fucking, player. Dude. There's he's some a dudes. real player and he's a really good player. He's yeah. one of, uh, like he's an amazing drummer, amazing singer. He's the only person I think since Phil Collins that has been able to do both at a level that's so phenomenal. Yeah. Where it's like, oh wow, there's not there's not one thing that you could say you're better at. Like right. you're you're equally as good at both of those things and you can do them at the same time. Like it's not just like, oh yeah, he kills at drums and then he can sing. Like no, he's doing both. And they're both fucking amazing. Yeah, like, yeah, I respect motherfuckers like that. Like, I mean, the easiest go to it would be like Bruno Mars. Like, yeah. I touched on this too with with the episode with uh with Robert Bell. But like, when he did that Super Bowl performance, that was fucking bananas to me. Like, yeah. he did it with Red Hot Chili Peppers. Like, he came out and he well, his brother's the, his drummer. You know yeah. what I mean? So. Well, he came out on the fucking drums, which was crazy. Like, and you're like, oh shit, because like everyone just expects. Bruno to be singing or to be dancing to start the song off. He started off on the drums and he was fucking that shit up. Yeah, then right. he gets up, then he dances like James Brown. Then he sings like fucking the most beautiful singer you can think of. And you're like, this dude is a freak, man. And like, it, it wasn't unexpected, but it was also kind of unexpected, if that makes any sense. Like, it was it was stupid, man. Like, that's a true talent where like, I'm not the biggest Bruno Mars fan in, in general or like, I listen to all his records, but fuck, his music's great, man. Who doesn't like Bruno Mars? Dude, I got to use one of the muted symbols that they used for the Super Bowl in one of my music videos. No way. Yeah, because that's like, sick. you know, it's all pre-recorded, right? Right. So like, they had to have like the fake symbols that are like double stacked. Of course, yeah. So when you're playing them, there's like no sound. And so I was like, dude, I need... Like, what do you have that I can use for this video? Because I'm not going to be able... We're in, like, a super small room. There's, like, all this direction going on. I'm not going to be able to hear the fucking song at all if I try to play it. You know yeah. what I mean? <clears throat> he's like, oh, here. I got some of these mute, muted symbols. You know, here, take a few of these. And he's like, these were actually used, uh, you know, at the Super Bowl a couple That's weeks crazy. ago. And I was like, oh, sick. <laughs> so I, I, I got shit. to use... Yeah, yeah. And even one of them was the, the, uh, the Red Hot Chili Peppers, Holy China. Yeah, uh, the the cross it has the 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 logo on it. Sick. Yeah, dude, that's funny, man. Sick. That's funny. Yeah. I think I think one of the records I I truly enjoy was like fucking drums thrown into hip hop too was, um, Kid Cudi's like Man on the Moon one and two like and then he did Wizard after which was fucking super sick too, but like that was like a rock album but like he incorporates drums in a very strange way, on like an, an a, on a hip hop album which is weird and it's not like it it wasn't a traditional album yeah very weird he's nothing. Sounds nothing like like anybody else. Um, but there's like a couple songs like Mojo So Dope where you see these intro drums to the thing or or Mr. Rager, the way like the dum, 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 like the way it starts. And I didn't realize that until I saw them play live. Like I saw that tour and he I saw him play on the first tour and the second one. And 
he only has the DJ for like the complicated shit. Yeah. He the rest of it, he has a live band playing with him. That's They're like, great. this is fucking sick. Like I saw them actually do the drums to the song and like the guitarist do the solo to marijuana. And you're like, this is whoa, like this is not hip hop. This is a fucking artist. This is different. That's important, man, because I've noticed that a lot of hip hop musicians have been moving away from that. You oh, know? yeah, they're all from that. So, so many of them for a long time was like, if you were a hip hop artist, you had a live band. Yeah. That was sick. Keyboard, bass, drums, guitar, you know, some backup vocals and your DJ. And that was the experience that you were going to see. So when you were seeing a hip hop musician, right. you saw musicians play music, too. And now it's just everybody just goes out with the DJ it's and they garbage, like, don't dude. give a fuck. You yeah. know, and it's not. And it's not freaking Jam Master J or it's not Mix Master Mike or it's not any of these badasses on the freaking turntables. It's right. like some fucking jabroni. You know yeah. what I mean? It's just like, what the <laughs> fuck? Mama dude? Luke. <laughs> yeah, dude. Yeah. It's like, come yeah. on, dude. Give us something. My, you know, buddy of mine who uh, worked for Vic Firth for a long time, then worked for Promark and Evans and drum guy, you know, but super Italian dude. He's like, man, I went to go see fucking Kanye at the garden, you know? And he's like Bon Jovi type <laughs> Italian guy. You know what I mean? Yeah. He's like, it was just him on stage with a fucking drum machine. He's like, there wasn't no fucking drummer. He's like, what the hell? I go to see a fucking live artist. I want to see a fucking drummer at the very least. And I'm like, dude, I can't believe that he didn't have a drummer anyway. But that was like the beginning of Kanye going insane. Right. It was just yeah. like, okay, he started going out on that tour where it was just him and the fucking drum machine. And then everybody else started doing, oh, yeah, you know what? We don't need all this shit. Let's just be minimalistic. Let's just get the fucking... And, I understand it's a lot of mouths to feed and, and money to pay yeah. these people, but a lot of hip hop artists are very successful. So it's like, come on, spread the youth or spread the love, you know, give it back to the community. Well, what they don't realize is that like it, it would add to, so much to your show. Like I said, that was the most important thing to me when I saw that. That was like, but I, I get it, though. These motherfuckers are lazy now, man. Like, again, that's why they don't even have drum tracks in their fucking shit. It's all pre-designed. Yeah. It just sounds like shit. Yeah, it sounds fucking terrible. People just buy their beats. Yeah. They just say, oh, hey, make me a beat or here let me see what your library is oh, okay i'll buy that and then i'll rap over yeah it, you know i mean it's not like there's no collaboration in the studio where okay this is the idea that i have for this track this right. is the kind of groove that i want to start with and there's no foundation it's just okay everything's <laughs> cut and paste fucking already ready to go it makes me get like fucking disgusted with hip-hop like nowadays it's just fucking i mean like hip-hop's always been sampling anyways like the best artists of all time mostly just sample but like but there was soul to that there yes. was creativity to creativity that there was something like even with that band i was telling you about pillars of ivory like they're not reinventing the wheel in either format of hip-hop or hardcore they're not doing anything new but they're doing old school shit so perfectly and so authentically that it seems new again. It seems completely yeah. fresh. And it's a combination of two things where it's like, okay, yeah, there hasn't really been many artists that combine these two in a way that's not like new metal or whatever, where it's like, okay, kind yeah. of, you know, they're, they're like, they have two separate elements of there's a fucking D and, and we were trying to figure it out. I was hanging out with my buddy, Ken shock from Candiria, right? Legendary drummer, New York area, you know, hardcore math core, crazy shit if y'all don't know candiria check him out um uh, he's no longer with them but he was like the guy you know yeah. what i mean for for the longest time helped write and create so many amazing parts with them um and they had like a dj and they had like a hip-hop element and so i was hanging out with him on christmas eve and was like dude i, I really want to show you this band like i've been obsessed with this band i've been really getting into them pillars of ivory and i think you'd like them because of the way that they combine these two elements of music and, you know, let's check it out. So 
we listened to the demo and everybody was like really into it. Everybody's like, wow, this shit's really cool and yeah. really good. And like, really it is, it's not reinventing the wheel, but it's, it feels so fresh. Yeah. It feels so unique. And so Ken starts asking, well, what, what do they look like on stage? Or like, what's, what's going on here? And I'm like, dude, you know, to be honest with you, I've just listened to their music. So I have no idea. Like, let's discover it together. So yeah. pull up YouTube. Okay. Pillars of Ivory live <laughs> at this thing. And it's like, oh shit. They have a DJ on stage. And so we're thinking like, yeah, what, what do they do during these hip hop parts? Like, are, is the band playing or whatever? And it's like, no, they just kind of do like a throw your hands in the air type <laughs> thing. You know, the DJ does his thing. Yeah. And then like, okay, here comes the song. And then the fucking band starts playing and rocking the fuck out in the mosh pit fucking starts. And then boom. Okay. The song ends. Mosh pit ends. Boom. Then the fucking hip hop interludes. Everybody. Boom. Oh shit! You know, it's just like weird, dude. And yeah, and the whole crowd is like smoking weed. They throw apparently they throw like pre rolls out on the stage and shit. They're all like, fucking, I love that shit. They're all about like gangsta, like hip hop, fucking yeah, shit. yeah. But it's but it's like fucking hardcore metal. A bunch I love of it, yeah, dude. It's so funny. It's man. funny you mentioned that a band can do that. Like when you when you said that a band could not reinvent the wheel, but sounds so unique. It sounds like they do that. Or made me remind me of like Mumford and Sons, like big time. It reminded me of them big time because. When they got huge in like what, 2009, 10, like it was, people were like, act like it was the first thing they've ever heard, but it, it really was just folk and bluegrass, which are not new, but the oldest but forms it just of music. Got presented in a new way. Yeah, wow. exactly. They didn't reinvent it. They just fucking, they just played it so well and it just sounded so goddamn unique. Like we're like, what the fuck is this shit? Yeah. But it, it did feel like that. And I'm not like the biggest Mumford and, you know, Sons fan in the world, but man, they make some good shit. Well, not only that, I mean, they were able to just capitalize on this big moment of, okay, look, like, look, they created this massive resurgence of, yeah. you know, the Mumford bands, right? Crazy. Like stomping their feet, clapping their hands. Dude, yeah, it's fun music. I, I've, I've never got to see them live, but I feel like it would be a fucking fun <laughs> show, man, because they know how to get everyone fucking up and shit. I love that, man. Well, dude, tell me, like, uh, what's next for you then? Tell me, like, you know, what you're planning uh, what are your goals this year? We just we just got started in January, and uh, what's next for fucking raining Bozio? There yeah, so there we go, there it baby. Is. <laughs> so, man, I've been all about my Twitch lately. Dude. Hell yeah, I'm trying to like make Twitch my new thing, and it's crazy because as I said, like I've had all these moments where I felt like I'm struggling. I felt like I'm almost gonna kind of reach the next level, and then I can't break through or something like that. And with Twitch, I feel like I'm finally starting to do that. I feel like sick. I'm it's been kind of just a snowball effect where it's starting to build. And I only started streaming drums about four months ago and already just the it's been like an exponential growth and just to see it grow and see the community that I've built and see all the people coming over, helping out, you know, requesting songs, donating, subscribing, all this stuff um, has made me feel like super validated, like, OK, this maybe this is where my position is right now. Um, right. I'm still playing in bands. I still play in Chainflower, just like a badass rock band. We just got a new singer, so that's awesome. She's amazing. And um, I still play in Mike Dawson and the Smoking Kills, which is like the California country band with that amazing bass player, Ted Russell Camp. And um, what else am I playing in? Uh, Scarlet Rose, which is a kind of a glam metal type thing which is a lot of fun my friends just kind of resurrected this band from their past 
and uh, we played a show at the whiskey. It was like sold out, Sick. totally. Yeah, fucking packed. love the whiskey. Yeah, it was it was a great show, man. And um, that kind of led to that band. Like it was supposed to just be a one off. Oh, we'll just do a reunion thing, and you know, Rain and can you play drums for us? Yeah, sure, whatever, guys. And then it's like, oh well, <laughs> the fans want us. You know what I yeah. mean? Like we're gonna keep doing this thing, and so we just recorded a song. Uh, on Monday. Hell yeah. So yeah, yeah, man. Yeah. It's, oh, wait, no. When did I, I recorded on Friday, Friday or Saturday, Friday. That's when I recorded on Friday. They recorded on Monday. <laughs> I wasn't there for that, but I, I tracked drums on, um, on Friday and yeah, that song or that song turned out pretty good. I'm excited to see where it goes. And, uh, yeah, but I think Twitch is my main focus just because I can be autonomous. Yeah. I don't have to rely on anybody else like we were talking about, right? It's like, okay, I've been in all these bands where, oh, if the guitar player quits or is a drug addict or an asshole or whatever, I'm fucked. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like it's we so just crazy. we just made a whole album that's literally going down the drain because we can't all get together and compromise on the rights for this to be released. You know what I mean? Like No way. Yeah, that like it's Fuck. it's there's there's a couple albums that I wish I could freaking show the world. It would be a lot of fun, you know, and I can obviously like show friends of mine and stuff like that. But uh, yeah, it's it's a bummer to think of that stuff. So that's why Twitch is so great, because, you know, the only people that I am beholden to are the followers. And those are the people that are paying me. Right. So it's like, OK, fuck it. I'll do what you want. You want me to play this fucking song? No sweat. Let's do you know it. Yeah. I mean? Yeah. Just. <laughs> You just got to fucking pay the fee, you know, five I'm going to go on baby. there and request like Suave Menta or some Come shit. On, hey, man, yeah, request whatever you want, dude. I, I love it, man. Um, So, yeah, I've been really excited about that and really like hopeful for the future. I can't wait to see where that goes because, yeah, the growth has already been crazy. You know, it's starting to get to the point where it's like, OK, the chat and like all the people in it. It's like too much for me to even just handle and respond on my own. Like I need like a moderator now. So where I'm feeling like, oh, wow, like it's like starting to grow. Like yeah. this shit is going to like pop off. And and I knew all it took was getting ready and being able to do it. But it was also a fucking hell of a Zelda quest to get everything prepared. You know what I mean? Like podcasting. All right. It's a little bit easier. You can get your your plug in and your setup going pretty quickly, right? Yes. But like with the drumming, it's like, okay, well, you have to have the right mics and this interface has to go through here. And then you're also broadcasting the song. You're thinking about mixing all this shit and you need to have the right, you know, DAW and the right this and that. And it's just like, it was so many months of, okay, well now I have this, but this isn't working. Right. And now I have this, but now this isn't working. And like, what the fuck? Like we have to figure this out. Okay. Oh, I finally Googled it so enough to where I found annoying. some answer to it. But now this is fucked up because of that. And it was just like, it kept happening. And finally, September, we broke through and we're like, okay, we're good to go. Like I'm fucking starting streaming. And yeah, man, we built a, built a nice little following, gained a lot of followers and a lot of subscribers. And uh, I'm hoping that very soon I will be able to make Twitch like my full time thing and just be like, okay, you know, I'm I'm gonna. I mean, I know a lot of people who are killing the game like crazy on Twitch and in the drum game, and that really inspires me because if I can do or make a quarter of what some of these guys are making, doing the same, almost the same exact thing I'm doing. I'll be thrilled. Right. Let alone if I'm doing as good as them, then I'll be like, <laughs> Jesus Christ. I, I won't even be able to believe it. But um, yeah, I'm I'm really excited and happy. And I'm always about promoting my Twitch, twitch.tv slash rain plays. We'll get that in for you. Hell yeah, man. Somewhere in the podcast. Oh, I'll put it in the link. I'll yeah, put it in the whole baby. description. It'll be awesome. Yeah, man. man. Any of y'all Twitch heads, if you want to come, dude, we have a really, really awesome community because 
like I said, we get requested all sorts of different songs and I'm discovering music where I'm like, wow, I'm so glad that you guys are picking some of these songs because I would have never discovered them. I would have never heard of this band that is doing like completely unique stuff. What was one? I think it's called Bent Knee. Bent Knee. I think that's the name of the band. Who made it? Colin Kaepernick or some shit? Yeah, right? Yeah, exactly. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, shit. Yeah, Bent Knee. Okay, dude. I just checked those guys out recently. And it was such a wild mixture of music, like elements of a band like Tesseract, where it kind of has this heavy, kind of groovy, thumpy thing. And then like very orchestral, you know, um, symphonic type, beautiful stuff, a female vocalist with like these very airy vocals. And like weird, it just kind of went all over the place where I was like, wow, I've heard all of these elements of music. But again, I've never heard all of them combined to where it's like this is, you know, truly special stuff. So. I'm always consistently and frequently surprised by the uh, the awesome viewers that we have because we get so many cool, weird so requests sick. where it's like, oh, wow, I never would. You know, we'll get the typical request every now and then. Yeah. Like, Sunday, okay, bloody yeah, Sunday. Hear, yeah. Yeah. For whom the bells tolls, yeah. you know what I mean? Or whatever. I love playing Pantera, yeah. Alice in Chains, all that stuff. You know what I mean? But yeah, I love it even more when I just have people requesting random stuff. Somebody had me play like this 15 minute prog epic. By Haken. I don't know if you've heard of Haken, but they're like... I don't think so, no. They're pretty amazing. They're like starting to pop off big time. I don't listen to them enough, but it's a band that I definitely know and have been taking note of. A lot of people are saying they're kind of like the next dream theater or the next tool of that kind of like amazing musicians, awesome compositions. Sick. So I was like, look, I know the limit is like five minutes for a song. Because, you know, you want everybody to, to get their song and stuff like that. But he's like, I'll pay you like three times, you know, I'll pay you... What whatever the three times the amount is that'll equal to 15 minutes if you'll play it. I'm like, okay, Damn. let's do it. Let's do it. And so we did it. And the whole freaking the crowd was into it. Everybody was awesome. Like, wow, man, this song is cool. And they were surprised with my ability to kind of just keep up with it, even though I had never heard this song before. You know what I mean? It was my first time yeah. listening to it and playing this crazy prog thing. It has all these weird time oh, scenes. So sick. Like, man, you were with it. You know what I mean? It's like. It's it's just instincts, baby. What can I say? That's what it really is, man. Because now I've been playing guitar for twenty something years now, and it's it's quick. So you hear a song, you can just play it right away. Yeah. But people act like that. You're like, oh my god, you're such a natural, like motherfucker. Like yeah, they I've just, been doing it for a long time. <laughs> yeah, they totally just disregard it. Not that they're doing it to insult you or anything. Like it's just it's just funny how they see that. Like they only see the final result. They don't always see yeah. all the work that well, they went think, into. Oh it. yeah, you probably had ten guitar lessons, and then now you know how to play guitar. You know? Right. Oh my god, <laughs> I fucking I had none of that shit. Well, dude, when I wanted to play, I had fucking I just wanted to fucking rock. I didn't want to learn shit. I didn't yeah. want to learn. That's what music. everybody wants to yeah, do. Yeah, you know dude, I mean? just you don't want to have to sit down and fuck no. Yeah. I went to lessons for like two months, and I was like, this is bullshit. I left. I was like, I can't. I was like ten, and I was like, I can't do this shit. There's no jumping up and down here. No. What the hell? I went <laughs> in. I was like, just teach me night train from Guns N' Roses. Yeah, exactly. What the fuck That's is this shit? Know. And he was like, but you gotta learn scales. Why are you scales. teaching me twinkle, twinkle, Talk. little star? Fucking pain, pain for pleasure, but fucking Sum 41. I was like, I wanted to learn shit like that, you know? I was like, I don't give a fuck about any of this, so. That's a great riff, by the way. I was just showing my student and kind of telling him about Sum 41, because he's like, when he started getting into music, it was like Slipknot, all that stuff has already been around for years, you know what I mean? So he's he was into all that. Um, and I was like, dude, some 41, like, you know, they had riffs because you know about Blink 182. Everybody knows Blink 182, but not everybody knew like some 41 was the other band. Yeah. You know, and they were like the metalheads. <sighs> they they were, were into the heavy shit. They, they were like Metallica's the biggest fans. Yeah. They had like the heavy riffs. 
and they had like crazy drum fills where it was like I go back and I listen to those albums and I was like this is like heavy for like pop punk fuck yeah like you know what I mean I had like some sick stuff and then yeah dude when you hear Pain for Pleasure it's like some Iron Maiden shit I love it all killer no filler right yeah amazing that was the album that inspired me to play drums that seeing the music video for Fat Lip is what that was where it clicked where I was like okay I'm gonna be a drummer damn no way dude yeah Yeah, because dude look at that shit you see that video i like i had to show him i was like dude you don't know about this shit i had to go fucking (laughs) uncle joey i had to go uncle joey on his ass you had to show your that was your lee in the moment yeah sit down let me show you yeah let me show you fucking some 41 bro (laughs) i have to to bring that up too that's you were there in the infamous lee outer space moment that was was right next to me Blasting off on fucking acid, dude. Dude. It was so funny. And Joey was completely unfazed. (laughs) Joey took the same amount, if not more acid than Lee. And he's like, what's wrong with you? And he's like, dude, he was like, every now and then he kind of forgot what he was talking about, but it was like, it was nothing beyond normal. You know what I mean? It was just like, yeah, like, like I would lose my train of thought in a conversation. You yeah. Know what I mean? It was like, oh, uh, yeah. You what, know, are it was like what are we talking about? Fucking blotter acid, bro. Right to the tongue. I was like, Jesus, these are some savages. And I thought about it. I was like, man, it would kind of be fun as fuck to take some fucking acid with them. But I did take the stars of death. Oh, you did you really? Dude, I, I housed those stars. No way. I was, I was impressing everybody. There. How like, many did you have? I had I had a few. I, I was like, dude, like those can, are like two fifty, I think. Yeah, I was like, I can handle Fuck. my edibles, Joey. I was like, if I can handle anything, I can handle my edibles. That's we'll crazy. And then even like as we we're doing the podcast, Joey's like e- eating this fucking edible chocolate and takes a bite and he like has it over me. <laughs> Like so, fuck yeah, dude. dude! That was so cool. I bro. interviewed Lee about it, and he was like, "Oh my god!" Like every time I get asked about it, I was like, "I don't even know what to say." <laughs> like, yeah, I'm just so, he's like, a part of me is like, I'm embarrassed. He's like, but the other part of me is like, that's what made me like kind of skyrocket. Like people knew me after that because of that. Like they, yeah. you know, they knew him because of Joey, obviously. But like after that, like the Lee in outer space videos, like one of the most yeah. legendary videos on YouTube. So he's like, I'm ashamed, but also like, you know, it is, it's a part of me now. Yeah. it was. It's crazy to have been a part of that moment. My only bummer and regret is that like I got mentioned on Rogan twice but like every time Rogan changes the the subject instantly. Oh yeah. When he's brought me up, like, cause like my friends have told me, like, yeah, I heard you on fucking like they they said, you know, he says like Joe, who's the Joe guest? He's like, yeah, yeah Raynan Bozio, that's fucking uh son of the greatest uh, drummer. And then he's like, look at his face, and they just start talking about right. Like, they change like, it. God damn it! I was like, <laughs> elaborate a little. I was, yeah, I was like, I was just about to have my fifteen minutes of fame. Oh, and like, shit. come on, Joe, give it to me, baby, Dude. but. I, I know if I ever meet Joe, that's the first thing I'm going to tell him. I'm gonna be like, bro, like, I I don't want to be like a weird fan guy. But yeah. like, I just want to let you know I was part of one of your favorite <laughs> moments on Joey Diaz's podcast. I was there with Lee with the acid and Dean Del Rey. And fucking, uh, dude. Yeah, that was such a fun moment. Wild. And Lee afterwards was like, dude, thank you. Like, you were so nice during that like whole thing. You know what I mean? I and I was like, yeah, die. dude. Like, yeah, you were blasting off into space. I just like, because I'm sitting here. We're talking. We're having this conversation. Joey, we're laughing. We're playing music, all this shit. And fucking he's over here. Eyes closed, just smiling, <laughs> fucking fast out, like the whole time. And then every now and then he would fucking moan. You're like, uh. 
<laughs> and I'd be like, Lee's fucking man moans over uh, here. <laughs> Dean's commentary was guys like, you're jacked up, huh? Like, you would just say some random shit. Like, yeah, he's, he's gone, Joey. I think he's lost him. <laughs> yeah, dude. Yeah, bro. And then afterwards, oh. he was puking, dude. He started puking. Oh, my God. It was brutal, bro. Like, as soon as the camera cut off, uh, he started puking. I was like, oh, That was Lee. one of my most favorite moments on the church. And I, if I had a plea for what Joey does now on the joint, I wish that you guys redid that episode all together. That'd be cool if you guys are all hanging out again with Dean Del Rey and Lee and you and just did redid the whole thing. Like I would that, love that'd that. be we fucking need, hilarious. The anniversary. Man. Yeah. We need to do the anniversary. We need to like do the anniversary of Lee in outer yeah. space. Dude, I, I would love to do that. I'm I'm super open. Joey, if you're out there, let's do it, baby. That's right, man. We'll put it on yeah. Instagram right now or something. I'll send him I'll send him a message. I would I I really want to do a one on one with Joey. That would be amazing. Because yeah. it was great yeah. to be with Lee and Dean, but you know, I would I would love to just get into like us, you know, because yeah, I mean? him absolutely. and I both have a lot of crazy shit. You know, obviously he lost his mother at a young age, but the time that I really started um, discovering him was when I had lost my mother. You know what I mean? And all this stuff. And that part with the uh, his freaking show. This is not happening. Yo, um, yeah. Where they do the the one about the true friend at the funeral service. Yeah. You know, that bit. If you guys haven't seen it, go on Genius. YouTube. And go see true friendship at a memorial or whatever with Joey Diaz on this is what's happening. Or up uh, this is not happening. It's such a genius bit. And dude, oh my God. It's like 15 minutes and it's like the most heartfelt, beautiful story, but it's fucking he's got you laughing every step yeah. of the way. It's like you go from fucking like, oh man, your fucking heart's broken to oh, and now you're dying. You know what I mean? Because <laughs> it's just whole so fucking ridiculous. I don't want to rip off his bit. I mean, it's been if you haven't seen it now, but I think I think he goes like basically like you know, like where he's the guy at the funeral where he tells about, like, you know, I'm sorry about the loss of your mother. And uh, what, do we, what do we get in the will? What the fuck? What are we getting? Whose brother? Do, like, we to kill your brother? What the fuck? What do we yeah, got to do? Dude, yeah. Well, the, he's like, you're the only friend who would tell that guy that to make him laugh in that moment, you know, to make him feel better. Yeah. And the world, the, the, the lady, right? Z, who is his mom's friend, you know, he's talking about like, oh, we missed her, Joey. You know what I mean? <laughs> and, and she would, she would drop a blast of Coke on her grave. On her, and I was like, hey, wait, what, what are you doing that for? He's like, hey, that's $20, $20, $20. What the hell? Give some of that to me. You know what I mean? Like, the Unbelievable, man. <laughs> that dude's fucking nuts, man. Yeah, dude. But I love it, man. And um, that's where I became a fan of you, man. And I still remain a fan of you. Thank um, you, brother. Of course, man. I wish you all the best of luck, dude. And uh, you got the talent, man. You got the talent. Um, Finding the entrance in is, again, there's fucking 30 of them in the drumming world, obviously. And, you, and it sounds like you're doing all of them. And uh, I respect your grind, man. It's super hard to be in an entertainment field and put all your chips in. It's fucking hard to do. Not many people can do it. I've ha I have never done that. I've done it like 50%, 60%. I might keep my day job to fund it and whatnot. But like the people that go all in, man, they, they, they have my highest level of respect, man. It's hard to do. Well, you'll get there, man. That's what it's all about. You know what I mean? We're doing this thing in a freaking hotel room, which shows how dedicated you are. You're Thanks, saying man. fuck the bullshit. You know what I mean? Which is cool because I get to do my first hotel room podcast. Hell yeah. You know, I've always listened to like when Rogan does the on the road and they'll, they'll do the podcast yeah. in the hotel or the classic talk and shop with the good brothers, the bullet club, you know, great wrestling podcast that they would do from the Tokyo dome hotel. Yeah. You know, classic. I was Fucking like, okay, sick. we're here. We're, we're doing it right now. So I'm doing my, my first hotel Hell podcast yeah, with man. you. I appreciate it, brother, man. Hell yeah, dude, dude, thanks for coming in, man. Tell people your social media, all that stuff one more time, man. Let them know. Yeah, so everything is at Rain and Bozio. It's R-A-A-N-E-N-B-O-Z-Z-I-O. You'll see how to spell it on the podcast. And um, my Twitch is rain plays and that's r-a-a-n 
plays, P-L-A-Y-S. Um, so yeah, twitch.tv slash rain plays. You can see me there every Tuesday evening, Saturday morning to evening. It depends. Saturdays, it really depends on my gigs because sometimes I'll have an e- evening gig on Saturday. Sometimes I'll have a morning gig on Saturday. But either way, I always stream on Saturdays and I always stream on Sundays. So Tuesday, Saturday, and Sunday, you can always see me on Twitch, usually close to the evening side. But like I said, Saturday is random. Follow me on Twitter, Twitter, Instagram, all that stuff. Also, we have a Discord for um, rain plays and the Twitch so that you can keep up to date with everything. I'll let you guys know, oh, hey, this week it's going to be here. You know, we're going live or blah, blah, blah. um, Yeah, man, just doing the damn thing, focusing on the Twitch as much as possible. Also playing in Chainflower, which we're Chainflower music all over the place. And you can see us on Apple Music, uh, Spotify, all that jazz. Same with Mike Dawson and the Smoking Kills. It's the same thing. I think the Smoking Kills on Instagram and uh, yeah, Apple Music, Amazon, you know, Spotify, all the stuff. Awesome. YouTube, you know, every, anywhere music is heard, you can find some music that Rain and Bozio was played on. Fuck yeah. <laughs> I love it, man. Yeah, Thanks dude. again, dude. Cheers, man. Much love. Hell next yeah. Time. This later. has been Alternate Take. We'll see you guys later. Peace. And there it is, ladies and gentlemen. Our interview with the great Rain and Bozio. Thanks again, man, for coming on the show. I had uh, such a blast, man. It's been a while since my uh, last in-person podcast interview just because of the current move I'm in and because of, uh, honestly, how easy it is for everyone to do Zoom podcasts nowadays. It's way more convenient for them. But, um, man, it is such a better product. It's so much fun when you get to just sit down in front of somebody and just fucking bullshit, man. It was it was a great time, man. I appreciate you stopping in. Uh, for those of you guys who are now Rain and Bozio fans or already Rain and Bozio fans, I put all of his links in the podcast description, including the link for the new single for Scarlet Rose, Rise from the Ashes. So, Go check it out. Go check out Raynan's Twitch stream. Check out everything, man. And it was uh, it was an absolute honor, man. I appreciate you guys for stopping in, man. Go check us out on Instagram at Alternate Take DR. And uh, that's it, man. This has been Alternate Take. My name is Danny Rodriguez, and I'll see you guys later. Peace.